Hi, this is Nikki Klein from Battlestar Galactica, and you're listening to Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. How does she know this? How did she come back from the dead? Lots of questions, questions, questions. That was beyond silly. Welcome to the off-season, folks. Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is episode number 49. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica, now on hiatus. But we will still be discussing it quite a bit in this episode. Gathering up loose ends, emails, and voicemails. Our website is galacticacorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. And our voicemail, 206-350-6756. The first half of Season 4 is over. Sci-Fi is finally getting around to releasing some older Ron Moore podcasts for the episodes. Which I haven't listened to. <laughs> I've listened to the ones that finally came out. They, that, they're what? still lacking a few. but But of the podcast episodes that they did have come out they had the hub episode where they discussed i guess the thing that was interesting about that was they revealed that some of the things that i thought were the most cool or things that they almost came up with towards the very end while they were putting the show together originally they were going to do it told in reverse starting with baltar with the bandage on his stomach and laura about to take it off and then you jump back and tell the story getting to that point that is one of the story devices I really don't like when they have the old two hours earlier note that comes up at the beginning. And I, maybe it's because Black Market <laughs> was that type of uh, device that was used mm-hmm. where they showed something at the end and then they had to like go back and uh, show you how they got to that point. As a TV device, it's okay once in a while, but it's not that I don't like nonlinear stories or movies. I just feel like they'd use it. More often than not. More often than not. And I just, eh. Well, I like the way it was done. Yeah. The way it was done was much, much better. Although, the other thing which was surprising to me was they didn't really have a device in mind for the Laura dream sequences. They come up at the last minute, basically, that she had these dream sequences when they were jumping, doing the FTL jumps. Right. And I thought that was like a really kind of a genius thing to come up with because it's sort of like bending relativistic space and so you're like in between real space and you're going to in between space and that kind of like is almost a metaphor for an afterlife and come to find out that they didn't really even have any idea about that until someone decided to be a good thing to do just to make things work (laughs) happy accident i guess the other thing which you'll find interesting was it was originally written the person that laura was going to see was billy and not elosha and Almost none of the dialogue was changed to fit this other character. I kind of like, I think it made more sense to use the spiritual leader yeah, rather I thought, than Billy. Uh, why bring Billy back? Like He never had like some prophetic stuff to tell Rosalind. It, it made much more sense for the, the priestess to be the, the person who would guide her along. So two of the things I liked about the episode turned out to be things that they hadn't even planned. So, <laughs> uh, One other interesting element was they talked about a lot of cutscenes from the hub. Some of it dealt with more conflict and battles with the Cavils versus the crew. And how they revealed that Hilo was the fifth Cylon. No, not oh. quite. <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh, oh. They did mention that there was a there was a cut line from Deanna where she tells Boomer 
that you better run, darling, indicating that Boomer had time to escape. That seems to indicate that Boomer indeed does live to fight another day. Right. Jason seemed to think that she was gone. I, I don't think, I she's, don't think gone. she's gone. And I still don't think Cavill's gone because it sounded like from the deleted scenes that they had more Cavill's. And there's obviously more Cavill's in the fleet. So I guess that begs the question, will the Cavill's catch up to this group that's got to Earth or how? Oh, I'm sure they will. They're resourceful. I'm sure they'll figure it out. I don't think that's the end of the Cavill. Now, that was the Hub podcast. So for the Revelations podcast, they do bring up the possibility that the show was not coming back. And that in a way that that show could have been the finale. Kind well, that would have blew. We kind of discussed this on our last podcast. Although I do have a clarification to make. I had said last time that this was this, meaning the last show, Revelations, was the last one they had shot before the writer strike. But that's not true. They actually had shot one more episode, which is the one that follows uh, in 2009. But it does seem like they had written the previous episode, Revelations, as almost a finale. And they acknowledge that in the Ron Moore podcast. So I'm going to put a plug out there just because I thought it was hysterical. BSG cast, their episode on the finale mm-hmm. or on the mid-season finale, which is technically a season finale, is absolutely hysterical. <laughs> I recommend everybody going and looking at it. They do a video podcast, and this one, I think it was maybe five minutes. They just did a really good job. So free plug for BSG cast. That's right. Well, they have a really great video podcast. I find it very entertaining. And they, a lot of the sarcastic remarks and some of the points that they talk about, basically the same things we talk about. Right. Now, we talked last time about possibilities of BSG movies. There's definitely one that's in the pipeline for sci-fi. That one, from what I've read, is starting to shoot in August. No word on who's in it. I'm free. Or what's it about? Not necessarily. You're going to be a Dragon Con. I'm free except for the last weekend of August. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if this is 100% the same project, but the TV movie that is mentioned by Sci-Fi is going to be written by Jane Espenson. And directed by Edward James Olmos. Wow. Jason's going to love that. (laughs) (laughs) What will they come up with at the very last minute in the editing bay to fix that? I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. I thought the hub was good. Although, again, like I said, the things that I liked most about it were things that apparently they just pulled out of their their butts. (laughs) (laughs) What was the last episode that James directed? Edward Uh, James? It was the one one I liked the least, Escape Velocity, which some people... That was the Jane Epstein's. I think it was. It was. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. She did two episodes this season so far. The Hub was better. The Hub was much better. Yeah. I I like the Hub. So we have some emails and voicemails from listeners that talk about the last episode, the mid-season finale. So let's get to some of those. First, there is a post on our forum from Imperious Leader. Speaking of our forums, we've got some really good discussions going on right now. I recommend going over to our forums. Yeah, we're definitely gaining steam there. We got a lot of new registrants and people posting with some great ideas and theories. Uh, Not just on BSG, but other shows as well. So come on by. So Imperius Leader posts that he has been questioning the validity of the, quote, Earth that was found. And has a few theories that he'd like to share. One is that Earth was not the promised land, quote unquote. Assuming the fleet found the real Earth, why hasn't 
before Rosalind died. She's the dying leader who was supposed to die before they get to Earth. This means that Earth is not the promised land, assuming this truly is Earth. The question is, where do they go? Now, before we get to his other points, if you go to the Battlestar wiki, there's select quotes from different episodes about this prophecy that the dying leader will lead them to Earth, or the dying leader dies before they get there. And I don't have the exact quotes from the episodes in front of me, but a lot of people have been looking at those specific quotes and trying to ascertain whether that means that the prophecy was off or that they have not truly got to the promised land or is promised land Earth. So there is a little bit to that. I mean, it all comes down to semantics, really. But at this point in the off season, that's all we got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the off season, folks. This is me grasping at straws. Right. <laughs> now, for the second one, he mentioned something called Terra and the Eastern Alliance. And I don't usually do this, but I'm going to bust in because someone had a voicemail that kind of mentions the same thing. So I'm going to play that one first, and then I'm going to read his description of it. Hey, guys. Good show. Great to have something for BST fans to listen to. Got an idea about this uh, season finale. I don't know if anybody else has uh, said anything or suggested it. My friends and I were talking about, you know, what, you know talking about the episode, and we were thinking that maybe the planet that they're on, this sounds must be a totally off-the-wall theory, but the planet they landed on, it's not Earth. We didn't see anything from space that would, it would indicate that it was Earth. You know, no continents, no city lights on the night side. Uh, think back to uh, last year when Starbuck came back. That planet they showed us near the, at the end of that episode definitely, definitely was Earth because you could see North America. So what if, in a nod to the original series, the planet that they're on isn't Earth, but it's Terra from the original series, except with a twist. In this case, Terra had the nuclear holocaust occur, no Galactica there to shoot down the missiles. Maybe this Terra destroyed itself at some point in the past, although I don't know how that would tie in with uh, the uh, religious, you know, the image in the religious uh, book that uh, uh, Leah Dahman was looking at, the uh, know the image of the temple but could they be trying to work that aspect of the original series of Terra as being somehow a part of the, the, the uh, search for Earth I don't know what we're going to find out next year but I thought that just might be an interesting theory albeit a really strange one like I said you guys uh, keep up the good work thanks okay so back to Imperius Leader's post he kind of talks about what was just mentioned, Terra. In the original series, the fleet came across a planet they believed to be Earth, but in fact was Terra, which was at war with the Eastern Alliance. Considering the writers used a few elements from the original series, like the Pegasus, and the Ionian Nebula. The Ionian Nebula was in the original series? I didn't know that. Don't ask me. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> One of the stars looked a lot like the Ship of Lights, and so on. This seems quite likely. The Eastern Alliance in the episode had planned to launch nukes at the Terra Nationalists, which would have succeeded without Galactica's intervention. Is it possible that the Eastern Alliance nuked the Terran Nationalists and the fleet found the remains of the Terran cities and the Eastern Alliance will soon detect the fleet in orbit and attack? I believe the writer stated that the weakened structure of the port side flight pod caused by the nuke in the miniseries will come back to haunt them. So maybe it's the Eastern Alliance that attacks them and somehow damages the flight pod even more. I always thought the flight pod wasn't used because it was still that museum. Wasn't there at some point where they had fixed it and it was back in I don't think they ever fixed it because our last season at this time we were talking about well they're in, around orbiting New Caprica why aren't they fixing that other side that's never been in use oh. and they never used it it's funny because when I was a kid 
and the original series was on TV. And I used to sketch and doodle the Battlestar. I always used to draw it with only one side. And that I think it was because just in the effects shown in the show, they always used to show this one shot, a stock shot they always used to show. And for some reason, I always just assumed that there was always one side. I remember when I actually did see a, a different shot of it where it had like both sides. I was like, what? Maybe it was because at the time I was used to also drawing the Millennium Falcon. And the Millennium Falcon has the cockpit asymmetrically on one side. It's not in the middle. And I assumed, oh, well, they have the flight that thing on one side too. But anyway, yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool if they did have a scene where just that whole right side, I think it's the right side, gets just blown off. That would be cool. Yeah, but I don't really see them running into another fleet. It would be different. This show is set up in a way that it's almost like they're the last of everything. And there's so little left of them. And if they were to meet a new group of people, and they would be human. They wouldn't be something else. Unless they're like descendants of human silence from another cycle or something. Then suddenly they wouldn't be just a smaller group anymore. And that would kind of take away from the... Can't we just go back to back in the day where it was Cylon human and the Cylons were killing the humans and the humans were running and they were scared? And Sorry, but that is long <sighs> since gone off, sailed away. I highly enjoyed that. So you like season one and most of season two then? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, not that I don't like season three and season four. It's just there's too many mysteries that really irritate me right now. I'm really tired of trying to figure out who the fifth is because I just don't think it's relevant anymore. Right. Yeah, we had a, a post on our boards from Matt in the UK, Matthew, kind of brought up the same point how the show is a lot of mysteries at this point, And that's really true. When they introduced the final five concept, it became less of a show where they have good versus evil running to more of a mystery show along the lines of Lost. Like, what does this mean? Who is this character? Yeah. Who's in hiding? Where are they going? About how did they, how are they getting there? How does she know this? How did she come back from the dead? Lots of questions, 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 instead of being a more. And because there's so many questions, I don't find it as entertaining as it was before. Just like I don't find Lost as entertaining anymore. I mean, it's fun to speculate to a point, but then it gets to a critical mass where the audience at large, there's an aggregate of all of us watching and the podcast and the listeners and the forum people and message boards. And they're all this one big mass of viewership. And we're all posting all these ideas. And a lot of them are pretty good ideas. And we've come up with some. Some are good. Some stink. Some are wrong. But inevitably, when we'll find out what the answer is, there's going to be a level of disappointment. Yeah. The more questions you introduce, the harder it is to dig yourself out. And I believe they have, based on Ron Moore's podcast where he says, it's amazing that we've come to the end now. We've, you know, stuff we laid out, we dug ourselves a hole, but we have found ways to fix those issues. And I believe that you're going to do it. I do believe that. I just don't know if it's going to be as super satisfying having that big, wow, oh, I never saw that coming type of moment. Yeah. But that's the trade-off you get when you try to elevate your show from just being a sci-fi chase so to something else i'm one of those people i like to have that big wow moment i like for things to go in a completely different direction than how i think they will i really hate predictable movies and i hate books and movies and tv shows that are really really predictable i'm not saying bsg is predictable at all because it's not it's just i like to be surprised i don't want at the end for them to go oh yeah Rosalind really is the fifth cylon because then i'm going to be really pissed off and it's not because I don't like Rosalind. It's just because, you know, you drop all these hints along the way. Like, I'd be happy if it was Hilo. 
just because that would add a whole new dynamic to Hilo and Sharon and Hera. I just want something exciting again. And I don't want to end another episode where I'm like, oh, well, what does that mean? I'd like some answers now. Right. I guess, yeah, the, the thing about this episode, the way it ended, with all our previous cliffhangers, you had an element of some sort of peril or danger involved where how are they going to get out of this? How's that guy going to survive? How are they going to get past the next 10 minutes, hour, or whatever? This one, there wasn't any of that, really. It was more like, huh, what are they going to do next? Yeah. Right? The cliffhanging element of it is not that we don't need to know how they're going to survive, but how are they going to deal with it? Yeah. So, I mean, it was effective. I can't wait to see what is going to happen, but it certainly is different from any other cliffhanger we've seen before, and it definitely means that we're in the final stages of the show's overall arc. Okay, that's a long side trip around this Sorry. one This one post, but uh, he has one more theory about the Earth, and that is Guardian Cylons nuked Earth. Uh, he writes, The Centurions that left the ice planet during Operation Raptor Talon have been running around the universe for over 40 years. It's possible the Centurions found Earth, said, Oh, they're humans, so they're our enemy, and nuked the planet. You know what? I don't think I don't think that's the answer. But if it is Earth, I really think it might end up being like a a social commentary that you know humans inevitably destroyed themselves with fighting and war between countries. And I'm not so sure it's going to be an outside influence. You know, I'm not so sure it's going to be that the Cylons came down and destroyed Earth, or you know, the Eastern Alliance came down and destroyed Earth. I think it's going to end up being that Earth destroyed itself. Right, I agree. When I listened to last season's Frack Party podcast that Ron Moore did, where he was watching a viewing party with some people, and he was someone asked him about finding Earth, and he said, well, the show pretty much ends when they find Earth. Now, whether he was just blowing smoke or uh, he, at the time he really believed that, I kind of feel like it, the show could still end when they achieve Earth, quote-unquote. Earth could be actually what they found, but maybe the true promised land is not that final destination. Maybe they, they still need to go to another spot. Maybe the people were on Earth, they nuked each other, and they, like the people on Battlestar Galactica, they set off to a new land. And so they're all going to meet up on this this other new land. New um, Earth. A new new Earth. Yeah. Instead of New Caprica, New Earth. Yeah. Okay, next email comes from Rob. As I was listening to your recent podcast, I think you missed the obvious choice of Baltar as the fifth Cylon. And he lists these points. He was on the base star, not in the fleet. He wasn't rounded up with the other humans. Deanna was very concerned and kind to him when she saw him for the first time in the base star. In the hub episode, he admitted guilt over being involved in the destruction of the 12 colonies to Roslyn, which references the fifth Cylon having guilt, and also admittedly a stretch, as the fifth Cylon protecting the future generation might be his purpose, where the other four, their purpose was to find Earth. The only other explanation of the fifth would be a Cylon on Earth sending the signal. Is it possible that this fifth also caused the destruction of Earth? And then a similar email from Jason. I wrote in a while back about the Harbinger of Doom and just wanted to throw in my two cents. I still think that Baltar is the final Cylon. He is, after all, on the base star. What if after finding Earth and seeing its date, both sides decide to turn back to the 13th colonies and retake them? That would be an interesting twist. If they return to where they began, Earth just turned out to be a false hope. What a waste. That would be a waste. It would be a huge waste of time. It's like, oh, we could have just turned around. Yeah. If it turns out to be Baltar, I don't think it is, but if it turns out to be Baltar, yeah, I could see it. You know, you mentioned Hilo as a possibility, but I'm sorry, but I just, I think they've laid it out there. She said, no one on your fleet is the fifth Cylon. Take away all those people. And okay, there's people on the base star that were also 
not, quote, in the fleet. So they weren't technically in that mm-hmm. census group. But again, why would she have not gone up to them and talked with whoever that person was? And especially, they took a couple jumps to get to Earth. We saw them take a big jump and they wrapped it up really quick where they arrive. But it took a while. It wasn't just like, snap, here we are. They presumably had like at least a couple days where they were there. And in that time, I cannot see that she would not have gone up to Hilo and said, you're the fifth Cylon. Why? That goes back to my pet peeve of holding knowledge in for the sake of holding knowledge Well, in. Sharon did that the entire time that she's been on Battlestar. I mean, Athena knew a lot of stuff that she never said. I would actually be really disappointed if it was Hilo just because of that. Because that would be just a writing cheat that they, for some reason, neglected to have... It would have been an opportune time for her to be like, oh, okay. We've joined up now. We officially have an alliance. It's not a fake alliance. I thought the last episode was rushed, right? And that's one of the things I felt they kind of skimped over was on the Galactica side, people finding out that Ty, Anders, Chief, all those who were Cylons, I felt cheated out of them not having reactions from other members of the crew. On the Cylon side, we got the briefest of scenes where one of the final five walks into their mist. They see Tori come in. And sure, some of the sixes were like, had their mouths open like, oh. But I didn't see like the type of reaction across. That's because they them. were all probably like, oh, damn it. Tori's one of them. <laughs> God, she sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Dirty little whore. <laughs> the Galactic Quorum drinking game. When she calls Tori a whore, you have to take a drink. That's right. So, like Jason mentioned in the email, I I think it's either someone that's yet to be seen on Earth or on New Earth or somewhere else in the cosmos that we haven't seen yet. Okay, so here is a voicemail from Brian. Hi, this is Brian from Fort Lauderdale. I was calling to let you know I listened to your podcast and I really enjoy it. And there was a few things that I think I have a different take on than you guys. First of all, you guys were saying that uh, the Cylons believe that you have to be in love to be pregnant, but that's just a belief. So we don't know why uh, Six is pregnant from Ty, because uh, it's just a religious belief. It's never been proven scientifically. So that's just what uh, the Cylons believe. Cylon live. <laughs> the love Cylon. <laughs> this week on Cylon Base Star. Cylon love Base Star. <laughs> Um, Tori ends up in someone else's bed. (laughs) But she has no idea why. Mm. (laughs) There's a couple things about this, the love stuff. Well, it's true. It's all theory and what we've been told that they thought, oh, it could be love. It's holding it back. I think it might just be Final Five-ness. I think that's what it is, really. Well, then again, Sharon's not Final Five, and she had... Yeah, but Hilo is Final Five. Drop it, please. (laughs) I mean, I guess if you really wanted to go there, that, that, that's the only explanation. If you think about it. I, I, I have thought about it, but that's the only thing that would make it, it reasonable to be for Hilo. him to be Final Five. <laughs> I just don't see it. It would explain a lot then. Then the questions would end as to how come two of the Final Five are able to get Cylons pregnant, but then this one Cylon got pregnant off just a human. There's no pattern there. It doesn't make sense. Right. It has to be Hilo. <laughs> yeah, I guess if my theory that it's really a Final Five thing, then yeah. But I still wouldn't. I don't know. That's one of the many things they have to explain. One of those little mysteries that 
Hopefully the explanation is worthy after all the speculation. All right, so Brian sent us a voicemail. We also sent us an email where he continues uh, a thought. He asks, is it possible that Deanna lied about the fifth Cylon? She doesn't trust humans. She told the eight that humans can't be trusted, so maybe she's holding out on them. It's possible. It would give her a good uh, strategic position because she knows and nobody else does. But again, they found Earth. What more strategic moves do you need to make to hold out on the fifth one? That's the thing that I wonder about. If you need the final five to get to Earth, all right, we got to Earth. You don't need them anymore. That ace you've been holding in your pocket, the hand's over. There's no reason to, to hold it anymore. And he goes on, I really don't like the way that Lee became president. It was completely out of character for him. He led a revolt when the military wouldn't recognize Roslyn as president. He maneuvered Roslyn into having elections. He defended Baltar and challenged Roslyn when she tried to restrain free speech because he believes deeply in the democratic system. It seems more likely to me that he would have fought his father for Zarek to become president. Totally agree. I think we all agree on that point. It- yeah, that just was a very contrived setup for me that Lee became president for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it just That's one of my disappointments of season four. And what a surprise. It involved Lee. <laughs> Sorry. We're the Lee bashers, not the Hilo bashers. Mm-hmm. You won't hear us campaigning for Lee to be the final five. No. This one comes from Jesse. He writes, just a few thoughts about the episode. Number one, Tori continues to be a pain in the arse. And a whore. Or two, I see we have a dissenter here. I know that Lee is the most popular character among the members of this wonderful podcast, but I thought he had some nice moments in the episode. His story about being afraid of going into his dad's study as a child, for some reason it makes both Lee and his dad more human. I really liked his, quote, Jack speech, his version of, we all live together, we all die alone, work for me, we all go to Earth together. Actually, I did like that scene where he's talking about his going into the study, although it reminded me a lot of Chief's speech to Callie back on the I have Jupiter yeah. planet, him going in there, and a little bell in my mind went off that there obviously was a similarity there. Lee's the fifth. Lee is the fifth. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> Let's see. He liked the montages of people celebrating the arrival of a ship to Earth. And by the way, if you haven't seen Pike's video recap from the Revelations episode, check that out on YouTube. Did a great job, especially during that little montage at the end of the, uh, the celebrations. You got to check it out to see it. It's quite, quite cool. <laughs> Uh, Kara seeing Kat's photo. Is that a red herring for her being the fifth Cylon? I would have liked to have seen Lee hug Dwala instead of climbing on top of the table and throwing his jacket to the ground. Well, yeah, I referenced that in my recap. Yeah, I thought that was kind of silly. That was beyond silly. That was the dumbest thing I have ever seen. And it involved Lee. I couldn't believe it. I Because since I wasn't in on the Revelations podcast, when I heard your recap, I'm like... That is totally what I was thinking. He definitely was Tom Cruise right there. He looks like Tom Cruise and he acted like Tom Cruise. He looked like a nutter. I, oh my God, that was bad. I don't know who put that in the script. It was bad. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever make people jump on tables. It's just bad. Right. He referenced seeing Kat's photo. Yeah, I kind of liked seeing that there too because Kat remains one of my outside dark horses for being the fifth island. So. I think that was just her being sentimental. It was, but it brings her back in a little bit. I still think it's Ellen. That's still my money's still on Ellen. He my continues. Money's on Hilo. Oh yeah, <laughs> you and Jen. You, I know. You guys both. Want Jen and I are going to gonna be... start sending out petitions. <laughs> Make Hilo the fifth. He continues. As I was watching the show, I was wondering if Rosalind and Adama would be like Moses. They would lead the chosen people to the promised land, but would not be allowed to go themselves. So maybe in the rubble, still... they'll find a map to the new place. We mentioned this in another podcast. We said. 
at some point there needs to be a thinning of the herd. That's they need to start oh, yeah. killing off characters. And it's mid season. They haven't killed anybody. They're gonna have to. There at this point we thought maybe Roslyn would be a big character to die. Hasn't died. I'm sure they're still, going to. There's gonna be more conflict. They can't just all just be heading towards this new earth or whatever it is and have no more battles or attrition of some kind. They just gotta have something. I think the eights, the sixes and the twos, I think they would be okay integrating with the humans. I think that actually for now covers our voicemails and emails. Okay, so I mentioned in the previous podcast a feature where we talk about your ideas for episodes, calling it the writer's room. Got a couple of good ones. Uh, I'm going to bring up one now. I'll tell you the one I want to do. I want an episode where we go to the Cylon homeworld. I think a lot of people have talked about that. You stole Matthew's thunder. I totally did. I was just going to read that one. Well, I'm going to read it. This is from Matthew. He says, I would have loved to have seen an episode purely Cylon-based on their homeworld, just like she spoiled. Thanks. I'm sorry, Matthew. No spoilers in the podcast. This I didn't could... know. <laughs> you, you really didn't read that? Wow. I'm... So he writes, this could have delved into their motivations behind the choices they make, both as a species individually by nature of their model. Perhaps we could have seen silent construction yards. Where, for instance, do all the base stars come from? I understand that in season one and two, the writers were attempting to keep Cylon's nature off screen and their planned secret. However, during season three's extended reveal, I think this would have been a good episode to go hand in hand with a Galactica flashback to New Caprica. We could have lost one of the mid-season NAF episodes, my personal fave choice being Woman King, and would therefore <laughs> have fitted in nicely to the pace and feel of the series at that time. That would have been cool. That would have been a nice... I would have loved to have replaced Woman King with yeah. another... <laughs> but it would have... You're right. It would have... He's right. It would have gone well with a new cap. Well, I would have liked to replace the going back to new cap because that's a boxing episode. Maybe we could have just shuffed that one out. No, I think the Woman King was way worse than that episode. No, no, yeah, no. I, it was bad, but it, for a diff- different reason. No, I really think it was way worse. I, I can actually stand the boxing episode. I can't. I cannot stand. I can't stand the boxing. I can't stand the military. Sorry, Alex. It was. Yeah. You Nothing, did a great job. The fighting but... was awesome. <laughs> great poorly. fight choreography. Aside from that, I just... It was poorly written. But the uh, <laughs> the Woman King... I hated that episode. I didn't like it either, but it, to me it was it just... It made Hilo into was, such a tool. It was just a very uneventful, packed episode. Big deal. There was a mystery about some guy point. I mean, it just... It was so boring. There was just... But the other one just offended me in terms of characterization and, and just right. in pacing, in terms of... Well, either way, I think if we there was an episode or episodes about the Cylon home planet, I actually wouldn't mind having like an entire series on what happened during that time period when they went from the tin cans to the humans. And I, I kind of think that'd be interesting. Make it a little Doctor Who-ish. But the heart, that's going to be hard to do. I, I'm thinking just in terms of how... I agree with you, it'd be cool. But I'm thinking in terms of how do you produce it? How do you produce a show... It's going to be almost all CG. It's going to have basically the same characters, all actors playing a bunch of the same people because they're all copies. That's hard to shoot. They talk all the time about we have when they have a scene with lots of Sharons in the room. It's a big pain in the ass to shoot because they have to like do this motion control cameras and they got to do all this stuff. And I'm just thinking in terms, of, yeah, it'd be cool. But I mean, if it's done from the Caprica side, the Caprica show side, then you've got humans with multiple roles, and it's not as you know, it's dumbed down basically, and it wouldn't be as good. Yours version would be much better, but. How do you actually put it on the screen so they can? True. That's probably why they didn't do this episode for real. I mean, but other thing, look at consider this. 
How disappointed were you to see the inside of the base star? Most people were like, that's it. It was just like, they made it so minimalist. And they, they basically had the whole projection thing come up just so they could have an excuse for it being so minimalist. They had no budget to make it look cool. Okay. And they're not going to be able to have a budget to make a whole silent. Yeah, but you have to admit the whole, like, cell door opening. Yeah, that was good. Like, with the membrane. That yeah. was kind of... That was cool and gross and cylon Yeah. Somebody write a book about the Cylon homeworld, please. <laughs> Somebody. And make it good. And don't make it predictable, because I hate that. <laughs> Ted and I watched a movie over the weekend. Oh, my God, was it horrific. Ooh. I had it figured out in the first five minutes. Which one? Vantage Point. Vantage point, okay. I had to figure it out in the first five minutes. Why? Because they left little clues. People looked at each other, made eye contact, said strange things. First five minutes had to figure it out. See, I watched a chick movie with my oh. wife. I watched Definitely Maybe. I don't think I've seen that. It came out earlier this year, but it wasn't out for very long. It's basically a romantic comedy with a little bit of a mystery to it. It's kind of like How I Met Your Mother, but it was a movie. I had to figure it out like first act, but I still, someone enjoyed it. But yeah. it was just like, I knew it from the very beginning, I was right down to how they would reveal different things. But. I had high hopes for, not really high hopes for this movie because I heard people tell me it was crap, but I was hoping they would do it in a different way to where I would be kind of surprised. I knew who the assassin and who all the members were of the conspiracy within the first five minutes. It was very sad. I'm sorry they made that movie. <laughs> and I'm sorry there were some big name people in that movie. I just had to say that because I really hate predictability. Like I said last podcast, they could go anywhere, any direction. The writers have free reign of going anywhere they want. Maybe they'll show more silent stuff. Maybe they'll, you know, who knows what they're going to do. And they have all these new movies now that they're in the production pipeline. So maybe they will do something like that. That'd be cool. All right. I think that wraps up this episode. Keep the voicemails and emails coming. It doesn't have to be about Battlestar Galactica per se. We're going to be talking about other shows. I mentioned last time we're going to be doing a Firefly virtual season. We're going to be talking about Dragon Con a great deal because Michelle's going to that. It looks like I am going to be going to that as well. So and my we... costume shipped yesterday. <laughs> oh, yes. And can't you wait for the photographs of that? So excited. So uh, our voicemail is 206-350-6756. Our email, gquorum at gmail.com. And our website, galacticacorum.com. The jump clock is running. We'll see you next time. Bye. All right, you ready? I guess. Okay. Make it quick. It's snappy. This is a 49. Hello, welcome to the Coral. We're going to sing. 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 We're going to